All right, hey, t- today we are going to wrap up our four-week series, Core, where, as you've heard, we've been talking about four words that matter a lot to us, that help define our culture and our values, a community, boldness, joy, we've looked at already today, will be empowering. But before we get to doing that, I actually have a little um, exercise I want to do, and uh, I think it'll help and you'll understand why in a moment. So here's what I want you to do. If you're at home, uh, you can put this in the chat. If you're on the chat, if you're in the room, I'm just curious, um, what is your favorite color? Okay, red. So we're going to start with red, Andy. Thanks for that. Imagine, and we're going to do this with a few other colors, so don't worry. Imagine a world without the color red, right? And... um, what would that be like? So imagine if we didn't have the color red and instead we had something like a gravelly gray or a boring brown. If that's your favorite color, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't understand you. But um, uh, uh, so just imagine like, Andy, you've got some new red glasses, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, do you want to show the friends at home what those look like? Come stand right here. Come up here. All right. So he got these new glasses this summer. And Andy, you can just look at it. If you zoom in there with our friends, you can see he's got some really awesome red glasses. There we go, Andy. Yeah. That's awesome, right? And I've got my cool red iPhone 12 mini. Imagine if this was just a gravelly gray or a boring brown. Or That was cool. Thanks, Andy, right? So how about another color? All right, pink. I heard pink first. So uh, interestingly, pink is not in the rainbow, right? But it's a beautiful color, right? And uh, most people pick a rainbow color for whatever reason, but pink, like Valentine's Day, like imagine Valentine's Day where every card you get is brown. <laughs> yeah, just no fun. Or gray. Or, you know, like what's another thing that's pink that's amazing? Flowers, right? Craig Grant, is your shirt pink this morning? It may be. Kind of, yeah. Salmon pink, right? Just imagine salmon that was just gray and brown and boring. That would be no fun, right? And let's see if anyone at home gave us a color. We'll see about that. Nobody yet so far. So I heard uh, green from over here, or white. <laughs> Just imagine a world without the color green, okay? You'd, you'd go outside in the morning, and the grass that you spent all the time making sure it looked beautiful was just boring brown or gravelly gray. Or if you are a golfer, any golfers in the room, right? Yeah, a few of you admit it. Okay, yeah. Just imagine you're trying to land the ball on the brown or the gray and not the green. Like, it just wouldn't have the same thing. Or, uh, in in our case, just imagine uh, if you didn't have the color green, right? Yeah, uh uh-huh, the color green. Just, uh, you can see where a little bit of my, yeah, gravelly gray, (laughs) right? So we, uh, yeah, we had a chance, my family and I, to go see uh, Michigan State play at Northwestern on Friday. And if any of you cared about that game and are Northwestern fans, I'm sorry. But uh, um, it, was a great, it was a great game, right? And uh, here's our new running back, Kenneth Walker III. And imagine if he was just in gray pants against the gray Northwestern colors. It just wouldn't be nearly as fun. So here's, here's why I mention that. Um, uh, if any one of those colors, if God hadn't made it, if it were missing, our world and our life would just be a little less rich and amazing. You could do the same thing, by the way, with things like coffee or tea, right? What if, imagine if you didn't have coffee or tea to be able to enjoy, or bacon, right? Just imagine a world without bacon. Like, it would just be that much less enjoyable. Um, here's, here's why I bring it up. Um, 
we're going to talk today about what it looks like and what it might mean for every girl and boy, every woman and man in this room and at home and as part of the St. Peter family to find and discover and to live out the unique purpose and calling God has made for you. And if any one of you is missing, it's like not having any pink on Valentine's Day or any red or any green or blue or whatever your favorite color might be. So we're going to come back to that at different points throughout our time today. Uh, But before we do, I also want to bring one thing to your mind. And this is uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's from Matthew chapter 9. And, and I've read through this, I don't know how many times, but I was, I was going through Matthew early this year, and, and I remember very vividly reading the passage where Jesus talks about how the harvest is already ready. A friend of mine, when he teaches on that, he, he translates it that way. The harvest is already ready, he says, but there aren't enough people, enough girls and boys and women and men to be part of his harvesting work. And so he invites us to pray. Here's, here's the NIV version of this. He says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Right? The harvest is already ready, but there aren't enough people to go out and be part of it. And so ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, again, I can't tell you how many times I've read through this passage. Maybe you've read through it many a time, too. And and I don't know how many times I've preached on it, even. Probably a few. But I remember very vividly, early this year, when I read it, that there was this almost whisper, this nudge that I think was from God that was saying, Micah, I want you to pray specifically for every girl and boy and every woman and man who's part of the St. Peter family to be part of the harvest. And, and what would that mean? And what would that look like if every single one of you in the room and any one of you at home and anyone who's part of the St. Peter family actually saw themselves as essential to the work that God is up to to redeem and restore this world, to bring back to himself every human on the planet and to rescue the world itself. All creation is within his scope of redeeming work. And so that's been my prayer as often as it comes into my mind um, throughout the course of this year. And I'm just wondering what it might look like if we were actually to see that happen. Every girl and boy and woman and man uh, finding joy and purpose and passion in the work that God is calling them to do. So so we're going to explore today this fourth out of our four words, empowering. And the role in particular that you if you're hearing my voice today, the role that you will have in that. So here's our big idea, the kind of simplest way I can explain what we're going to try to say. Uh, Empowering means that everyone matters and that God has uniquely created every woman and man, every girl and boy. Have you noticed, by the way, we say it that way every time? Uh, Here's why. Um, Words create worlds. Words create worlds and what you say matters. And, And what I've found is if I can say something in a way that recognizes the person who might otherwise feel overlooked or may feel like they come in second, uh, that matters. And so sometimes when we're talking about our friends at home, I'll talk about the friends at home before I talk about you in the room because you might feel like you don't matter as much because you're not in the room. So, so I try to recognize whoever it might be who might feel like they don't matter quite as much and name them, call them out, celebrate them first. So every girl and boy, every woman and man, to have a special place in the kingdom that no one else can fill 
And we are at our best when we help every individual discover the unique gifts and calling, giving them permission and a platform to put them into use and empowering them to take part in God's redemptive work in the world. Now, that's a lot, but hopefully we'll be able to cover it and it'll make sense by the time we're done. So let's start again with what we just heard Sam read a moment ago. From Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11, Paul says this, So Christ gave himself, himself, Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Okay, so let's just start right there. Uh, Paul just names off five key gifts or roles that are at play within his people. Uh, Apostles are those who chart new territory, break new ground. Prophets are those who are really in tune to the word of God and how it applies to the present moment and often are really uh, set at edge or at odds when they see something that's not just or right taking place and they just have to speak into it. Evangelists are people, and I've known a few of these, who can't help but just go into a a new place or a new uh, conversation or relationship and just start talking about Jesus. And the one moment I remember I'll never forget was uh, the late Bishop Mandla Kumalo. I was taken to coffee by Chicago O'Hare Airport, and he had the gift of evangelist. And uh, we went to the bathroom, and he starts striking up a conversation with the guy next to him in the urinals about Jesus. And I'm like, I would never think to do that, <laughs> right? But he would. And, uh, and, and so some people just can't help but go there and talk about Jesus, and that's a gift. Pastors, uh, sometimes translated shepherds, are those who just love and care and are present with and support people, especially in time of need. Teachers are those who just love truth and understanding and getting across in the right way. That's what Paul has in mind, these five different gifts, and the church needs all of them. And some of you are gifted in at least one of them, sometimes uh, one or two of them. But notice what their purpose is for. There are other gifts and other offices, the deacon, the elder, the bishop. Uh, But these five, he says, in particular, God has gifted us so that we could equip people, uh, God's people, for works of service. The word here in Greek is diakonia, right? And diakonia comes out in English sometimes as deacon or deaconess um, or diaconal service. Uh, It's a word we use in churchly settings, but it simply means serving. Serving, putting the needs of others first and using what you have to bless them. And so if you love to show hospitality, if you love to to step in when there's been a a storm and a branch is down and you want to be the one one to get off the street, that's diakonia, that's works of service. It's you using what you have to help whenever there's a need to bless others. And all of us are called by God to use what we have uh, for his purposes. And and here's what it leads to, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, having attained to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, right? So what God's saying here through Paul is that he won't be satisfied until all of us find that unique gift, passion, interest, and ability that he has planted within us and we start to live it out. And when you do, when you live out of the unique way God has called you, you feel more alive than any other place. And you find purpose and you find joy in what you're doing. Now, uh, Paul goes on to say it this way. He talks a little bit about what immaturity looks like and how we want to avoid that. Uh, We're not going to focus on that today, but instead on the rest of this passage, starting at verse uh, 15 and 16. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
And from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Right? Every one of you, every girl and boy, woman and man, is essential to what God's hope and dream is for this community, for your family, for your neighborhood, and for the whole world. And when one of us is missing, uh, the fullness of what God has planned and dreamed up uh, isn't realized. Now, let me take you back to that field we talked about before. Remember Jesus said the harvest is already ready, right? And he invites us to pray for workers, for women and men and girls and boys to be sent out as workers. And some of you may be saying, okay, maybe what Pastor Micah is saying is I got to get ready to go somewhere else and do some important work, serve some people, maybe talk about Jesus, maybe uh, in another part of the country or part of the world. And for some of you, that's part of what God's going to call you to do. For most of you, though, in fact, I'll say it this way, for every one of you, he has a different field in mind. Uh, here's what I mean. Um, did you guys notice during what I like to call deep, dark COVID, when we were restricted to maybe just our homes with a few outings, I was the designated ex expendable one in our family. I had to do grocery runs right? <laughs> That's just what we decided. And uh, for those first few weeks when it was just crazy and nobody knew anything, you remember that? Um, well, here's what I noticed, maybe you did too. Um, where we normally go to work and where we normally play and then where we go home collapsed all down into the same place, right? So here's what I mean. For some of you, when you think I'm going to go to work, you think I'm going to grab my bag or my backpack or my computer or whatever, and I'm going to hop on the train or hop in the car and I'm going to go someplace and I'm going to go to work. Okay, now, most of you have experienced what it's like to work from home, and some of you love that, some of you maybe not, but um, uh, where, where, where before we would think we're going to go to work, at least during deep, deep, dark COVID, and maybe still today, that's now at home. For those of you for, for whom work is school, you'd put on your backpack and you'd go to school, but for some of you, for a while, maybe still to this day, uh, your school work is still at home. Okay, what about play? Maybe you would love to go to the gym and work out, or maybe you would love to go to the community pool and swim, or maybe you'd just love to go to a park. Do you remember when they were all just roped off and you couldn't go to a playground? Right, do you remember that? That was super sad. I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. But where we would play also got collapsed down to where we lived. And so what, when we talk about our field, where God is calling us to do what he's uniquely made us to do, we're talking about where we live, work, and play. And at least for a while during COVID, that was all in the same space. And when that was happening, I was wondering, God, what are you doing? Right? What's your plan in this? How are you going to redeem this? And, and here's what I wonder. For some of you, um, you have approached your home as your escape from all the other relationships you have to go through every day. And, and, and don't hear what I'm not saying. There are some times and some places where you need rest and you need to get alone. Jesus would often take his disciples to lonely places and rest for a while. But for some of you, what that means is that you don't actually know who lives down your hall or down your street. For some of you, you've successfully ignored them for decades. And maybe during COVID, you realized that doesn't work so well because uh, I, I'm alone and they're around me all the time. And so maybe for some of you, you started to get to know some of your neighbors, some of the people where you live, work, and play, at least for a while. For others, like me, um, I, I just can't help but talk to people. I love people, and so I talk to them whenever I can. And uh, so we got to know our neighbors early on, and we got to spend COVID with them in our driveway. 
uh, for the most part, that's where we spent every Saturday and Sunday evening. Is, um, actually, two years or three years ago now, uh, we chopped down a couple trees in our yard because they were getting too big. And we saved it all, and we made some wood for woodworking, and then we saved some for firewood. And we had this huge, massive pile of firewood, the whole length of our house at one point in time, like three feet tall, three feet deep. It was massive. And people were looking at me saying, Micah, why in the world do you have all that firewood? <laughs> right? You don't even have a fireplace. Right? Uh, but God had prepared in advance, years before, all the firewood we'd need to have fires nonstop every Saturday and pretty much every Sunday from, from when we could first venture outside all the way through the dark days of winter. And there's like a little pile left, right? Um, why? Because we wanted to spend time with those who were right there around us already. Here's what I'm saying. When we're talking about you being part of God's harvest, we're talking about you um, being you uh, on purpose, uh, joining Jesus and what he's doing with those God already has right there close to you. Now, when Jesus said this, here's what he went on to say to his disciples. Right after he invited them to pray, he says, okay, I'm going to show you how to answer that prayer. And so he took his 12 guys, right, his 12 disciples, and he sent them out and he said this, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Not to just anybody, but specifically had a narrow focus on some of the people who were close to them but far from Jesus, the lost sheep of Israel. And he says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And that's a big deal in Matthew's gospel. The kingdom of heaven means God is breaking into his world to redeem and rescue it. That's what it means, essentially. He says, and now it's, it's right here and it's at your door. And he says, here's what I want you to do as well. Preach that same message you heard me preach and do what you saw me do. So heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now I have good news. For most of you, your job is not going to be to cast out demons. Okay, so if you're sweating right now because of what's on the screen, you could just say, Whew. okay, pastor's not talking about going out and casting out demons or healing people with leprosy. For some of you, maybe. I don't want to rule that out. That may be a gift God gives. But, but, but what I want you to notice is what the disciples were asked to do is just what they saw Jesus doing. They'd, they'd been with him for a little while, but they weren't done. They were like still in the oven, half-baked, not fully formed. They were just learning from Jesus what it meant to, to walk with him and to be like him. And they just, Jesus said, okay, now you saw me do this for a little bit. Now you guys go try it. And they began to imitate what they saw him doing. Here's why I say this. Um, what we are asked to do is simply to imitate others who are imitating Jesus. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 11, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And as we put into practice what we see others doing, um, that's where we begin to become more like Jesus. And we begin to live out our purpose <clears throat> that God has called us to. And every one of you has followed Jesus for even a little bit of time. You've learned a thing or two, and so you can show somebody else. Not perfectly. None of us are finished. We're works in progress. But God invites us to put into practice the words and the ways of Jesus to imitate him, to speak words of grace and truth, to, to serve others, and in so doing, we put into practice what God has called us to do. And all of us have an essential role now. I love this image from Emmanuel Church down in Oklahoma. Uh, it's one body, many members. And you see the Da Vinci dude in the middle of that? I just thought that was cool. I don't know what your, the right word is for him, but it's impressive, right? And, and the idea is every one of us has a job to do. Here's what Paul says in Romans 12. For just as each of us 
has one body with many members, so like think fingers, toes, eyes, nose, all that stuff. Um, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. And then he lists a few. Take a look at these. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And he's not saying these are all the gifts or all the jobs. He's just a few off the top of his head. Right? But what he's calling you to do is use a little of what you have for the good of others, to speak words of grace and truth and hope, uh, to, to encourage, to serve, to pray, uh, to pray for those who have needs, especially when they bring it up. So just the other day, for example, there was a lady, her name was Dawn, and she was going to take some stuff we were going to throw away, right? It was on the curb. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, Dawn came back later and she said, I'm so sorry, uh, I can't take the stuff right now. Here's some challah bread, which was delicious, she got from Deerfield's Bakery, and she said, my dog is super sick, and i got to take her to the hospital. And so she said, will you keep the stuff? I don't want to lose it, but i got to take my dog. And she was crying, and she said, just uh, uh, pray for me and my dog. And so I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for this stranger, Dawn, I know her name, and for her dog. And she came back at 11.30 that night. We were at Michigan State game. So Sarah and my mom and my sister met her, and, and the dog isn't all that bad just had an issue with the stomach, and she took her stuff. And that was just a little moment, just a passing moment. I don't know if I'll ever see Dawn again, but what we could do is we could show generosity and we could pray. Okay? So what I'm saying to you is what God is asking of you is within your reach. It's, it's starting with whatever you're already good at or interested in, and it's essential to the work that God has in mind for the world. Here's another place Paul talks about the body. I don't know why he always puts it in chapter 12, but that's true in Romans and in 1 Corinthians. He says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That means every girl or boy, every woman and man has equal value in God's sight in the work he's calling us to do. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you. Notice he doesn't say if you want to. This is just true, and it's essential. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So every one of you matters. Each of us is unique. None of us can take the place of another. Each of us has a unique role and function to do in this as we live out the mission of God that he's called us to where we live, work, and play. And here's how we're going to land it. This is my last passage. We'll close with this from 1 Peter chapter 4. We're St. Peter here, so we love everything Peter says. Chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, he says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as they speak the very words of God. If anyone serves, you see how it's just another list of some ideas? If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. All right, here's what I want you to do. While this is still fresh in your mind, I want you to think about two questions. We call these our here in practice questions or part of our discipling model. We want you to think about, if you're on your own, just think about this maybe to yourself, write it down. Uh, if you're with someone, we'd love for you to share it with them. Uh, the answer to two questions, what's God saying to me and what's he asking me to do next? 
What's God saying to me? So what's maybe one word or thought, a phrase, an idea out of what you heard in the scripture or my message that God is just resonating within you? What's he saying and what's he wants you to do next? We're going to just spend the next few moments thinking about that and then we'll continue worship with our next song. So go. Go.